Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Kind of miss our summertime weather from the last couple of days. Although it sounds like November might be a tad bit on the warm side, but we've got 48 degrees and overcast skies in downtown South Bend, Indiana on this Wednesday, October the 26th of 2022 wonderful to be with you as we get set for a little more football on saturday the four and three fighting irish of notre dame will travel to upper new york to take on number 16 syracuse the orange are a six and one football team chance for the irish to get two games over 500 Get to the five and three mark. And honestly, I think Notre Dame's going to win this game. If they commit to running the football and if Drew Pine can complete those simple throws, which will help get that, what in all likelihood is that extra safety out of the box, I think they can win this game. I just watched the second half of that Syracuse-Clemson game again yesterday. And Clemson just ran it right down their throat with their backup quarterback, a true freshman who was, hey, let's face it, the best quarterback in last year's class. So can't leave out the small details, but it was their backup quarterback and a freshman. And they ran it and they ran it well. And Notre Dame's offensive line is better than Clemson's now. I think Will Shipley is one of the top running backs in the country, so I'm not going to say Notre Dame has a better running back than Clemson does because Shipley is awfully, awfully good. But this Notre Dame football team matches up well against Syracuse. The only thing 
that makes me a little nervous saying Notre Dame's going to win this game is the fact Notre Dame has struggled against quarterbacks that can run the football. And Schrader is really, really sneaky good at running the football. In fact, he was their best rusher in that game against Clemson. Now, they forgot to use their top running back, Tucker, throughout the game. And Dino Babers has already discussed that with the Syracuse media. One of those, we made a mistake, which will play some of those comments back in the 6 o'clock hour when we hear from the Syracuse head coach, Dino Babers. But I feel good about this matchup. I think they have a great chance to win this game if they can commit to the run. And again, you got to take care of the passing game at times to get that extra head out of the box. You're always going to have some one-on-one matchups on the outside. Let's hope the Irish can hit them. Honestly, if you watch the game back every week, you focus on Braden Lindsey, he could have five or six touchdown passes this year. But for whatever reason, when he's open or he's in position to make a big play, the ball doesn't come his way or the ball is not thrown within a country mile of Braden Lindsey. I think somebody actually asked this last night to Tommy Reese, and it was really a good way of putting it. Is Braden Lindsey just unlucky that the ball just doesn't get to him when he is in position to make a splash, splash play in a football game? And I think that's a great way of asking it. And the response, which you'll hear from Coach Reese in a moment, was less than five words. So we'll get to that coming up here in just a little bit. All right, we've got our Twitter question of the day on the way in just a little bit. We'll take a look at the AP Top 10 schedule this week. Who's on upset alert? Who is a lock to win? We're getting very close to the first college football playoff rankings coming out. In fact, they'll come out next week for the first time. Are my five question of the day, the five things that the Notre Dame defense needs to do to have success against Syracuse. Also, we will go through some Notre Dame bowl possibilities. What are some of the experts saying about the possible destination for the Irish? Now, these change every week because of all these games being played, obviously, and teams going up and down the bowl ladder. But we'll give you a little perspective on where the Irish could land. You'll hear from Syracuse head coach Dino Babers on the mistakes that his football team made. In fact, a mistake he made He stood up and said, you know what? We made a mistake. And it was a big one in the game, letting 25 seconds roll off the clock late in the game before finally calling timeout. And the fact they did not use their top running back very much, only five carries in the ballgame. Also, Babers very, very willing to talk about facing Notre Dame. He has faced them a lot through the years as an assistant coach and offensive coordinator and the head coach of Syracuse. In fact, he was asked what it means to face the Irish, and he got kind of emotional. You'll hear from Dino Babers coming up in the 6 o'clock hour, and we also have a sports wagering segment coming up here on WSBT Radio. Irish women's basketball team, preseason coaches poll came out today. Neil Ivey's team number 10 in the country. Four other ACC teams ranked Louisville 5, NC State 8, Carolina 12, and Virginia Tech, 13. They'll be taking the court in just a few days 
for the first time. All right, 514 is our time. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. We're live on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT Radio app, and also on the Twitch app. The first pitch and the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. It is time for another installment of Tommy Reese's Pieces of Audio. The offensive coordinator of the Fighting Irish meets the media weekly and a chance to hear from the offensive coordinator last week after the Fighting Irish put up 44 points on the board against the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. First off, Tommy Reese, his perspective on the way his offense played at home against the Running Rebels. Yeah, I feel like more guys consistently did what we were asking them to do. Uh, more times than not, we had 11 guys moving in the right direction. We ran the ball well. You know, we were pretty good on third down. Uh, I think our average to go was like third and three and a half, which is something we could hang our hat on. Um, you know, timing-wise in the red area, we were a little off pass game. You know, we had the one to Mike that got reviewed. We had one later where we get him one-on-one on the backside of the corner, like that matchup. Uh, we just got to execute a couple of those plays. Um, so certainly going to continue to improve there and push it through. And, uh, but definitely having 11 guys in the right direction moving forward. And uh, i got to try to find another way to, to do it this weekend against a really good team. All right, well, we'll get back to the red zone offense later on in this segment. But the offensive coordinator, I think, feels pretty good about his scheme, the play calling. You heard a lot of execution, and we actually had players – 11 players going in the same direction. So he calls the plays and demands execution, and he's not getting that execution consistently. As we documented yesterday, the Irish have gone over 200 rushing yards in three of the last four games, but all four of those opponents are 98 or worse in the country, in the national rankings, in rush defense. The worst rushing defense remaining on the schedule is 76, the worst. So the next five opponents are all better than those last four. We'll find out truly how far this running game has come. And again, I think they can run it with some success against Syracuse on Saturday. I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to get 200 rushing yards. But if you watch the tape of Clemson, man, you talk about shoving it down someone's throat. Tiger sure did it to the orange down in Death Valley last Saturday. It's going to be very important for Notre Dame to refine a rhythm for their quarterback, Drew Pine. If you're a subscriber to Blue and Gold Illustrated, which of course is at blueandgold.com, my game day sports beat co-host Tyler Horka did a really nice feature this week. He went back and broke down video of the 14 incompletions in 28 attempts by Pine against UNLV. And if you watch the tape, not everything is on the quarterback. 
You had a couple of key drops by Michael Mayer and Lorenzo Styles. A couple of incompletions due to breakdowns in protection. Now, were there some extremely errant and wild throws? Oh, yes. We're not going to eliminate those. But when you look at 14 of 28, it's probably not as bad as that number looks once you look at the film of the incompletions. But there are still just some blatantly missed opportunities. A little touch on the Chris Tyree route down the seam of the defense in the end zone should have been a touchdown. There are a couple of instances where there could have been huge plays, but the touch wasn't there or the ball was thrown too late. So I think we just need to keep it into perspective. 14 of 28 is 14 and 28. Did Pine have some misses that should have been completions? Yes, but not all 14 are on him. Drew Pine has already played in a noisy building this year. Down in Chapel Hill against North Carolina, his one true road game of the year so far. Pine against that Carolina defense, 24 of 34 for 289 yards. He completed 70% of his throws, three touchdown strikes, and no interceptions. Tommy Reese is looking for that quarterback to bounce back on the road in Drew Pine. Yeah, we need him to play like he does on the road, right? Uh, look, to beat a good team, you got to have a good quarterback. And that's the expectation. That's the uh, approach we take. He's got nothing but confidence right now. We continue to build forward. He's working hard to get ready to go. And, you know, we're hoping to build off this last week and continue to march forward. Well, it's good to hear he has confidence. I think a lot of people would be shaken at this point, back-to-back weeks where things did not go as smoothly in the passing game as you would like. Of course, they put up 44 on Saturday. That's a really, really good number. Not criticizing that, but you break down individual aspects of the game. This offense could have done a whole lot more, including in the first quarter it became a field goal fest when they were handed great field position by special teams. The good news is, going into the UNLV game, Tommy Reese's offense was one of the worst in the country in the first quarter. In a lot of categories, including scoring. They put up 23 against UNLV. Three of the drives started in UNLV territory thanks to catch interference against UNLV and two block punts by Isaiah Foskey. Here's how Tommy Reese thinks that this good start for the Irish is a big boost for his offense. I think it builds confidence and belief, obviously coming off a game that you wish you played better in offensively. You know, to have a start like that where you, you know, convert a third and ten with a big play to JT and then the next play you're on the ball and scoring. Um, you know, certainly it builds confidence and growth within the guys and it helps build the momentum. You know, next drive, I think we can settle for the field goal. Um, and had another score. And so when you have, you know, those possessions early on, obviously the special team set us up with great field position. Um, it certainly helps. You know, we're always striving to do that. They were handed really good field position and those three drives starting in UNLV territory, field goal, touchdown, field goal. A field goal after you got the ball at the UNLV 14. High-end football team scored two touchdowns there. 13's a good amount but probably not what I would look for. If I'm sitting in the offensive coordinator chair, I feel like I've got to put touchdowns on the board, handed that fantastic field position. And it wasn't like 
the Irish were facing the Doomsday defense or the Iron Curtain defense on Saturday, and that's what prevented them from scoring more touchdowns. So you can't be satisfied with three field goals despite having a fast start with 23 points. Mentioned this a moment ago, Braden Lindsay, man, he's had some good looks. The ball just has not found him for whatever reason on a couple of occasions. He could have five or six touchdown catches this year. Tommy Reese was asked about Lindsay's development, and then there was a follow-up question with a quick answer. Maturity level has really taken a step up. Uh, he's become more of a, a guy that is dependable and guys can count on. You know, I think his uh, the way he communicates and the way he, you know, is able to you know, talk to the quarterbacks, talk to some of the younger players. Like you want to see that as a guy who's been on the program for five years, and he certainly has taken ownership of that. Is he about as unlucky as someone gets with a couple of missed opportunities, maybe that could have? turned into touchdowns over the last few weeks? Yeah, I think we've missed him a couple times. 5.23 Sports Speak continues on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Red zone offense, red zone defense, major disappointments right now for this Fighting Irish football team. They don't stack up well in either of those categories in the national rankings. Too many field goals being kicked or the Irish having to go for it on fourth down too often. And some of those have not worked out. So Coach Reese was asked about red zone offense last night. Yeah. um, Look, I think you've got to be consistent in how you approach the red area. You know, we feel like we have a good plan and we're, always uh, trying to create some matchups and some looks that are in our favor. You know, again, they're very multiple in what they do, so you got to be, you know, disciplined with uh, the calls that you want and make sure you have answers for a couple different things, and and at the end of the day, you got to go out there and execute. All right, well, you heard Tommy there say he likes the plan they have. Coach Freeman has talked about how they've simplified things down in the red zone, still not seeing the type of results that a championship-level football team strives for and normally accomplishes but the plan is good according to coach reese finally how about some thoughts on the syracuse defense that the fighting irish will face on saturday in upper new york yeah uh coach white does a heck of a job as a defense coordinator um you know they give you a lot of different looks a lot of movement you know they're a veteran defense those linebackers are really good players it's a unique structure of what they do. A lot of movement up front, a lot of slanting, a lot of angle, a lot of team speed. You know, I think they're top 10 nationally, uh, giving up around 15 or 16 points a game. So they do, they do a really nice job. And they've done a nice job. I mean, we played them in 20. Um, we remember watching it and, and, you know, remember thinking, gosh, these guys are dialed in. And now they're three years into it. And uh, they had a good defense a year ago. And we knew all offseason they were going to be good defensively. And so, um, we're excited for the challenge, but we have a tremendous amount of respect for what they're putting together on tape. I'm going to see if they can stop the Irish run game. Can't wait to find out. If they can't, I think it's going to be a long day for the Orange, who are going to enjoy a sellout crowd at what used to be known as the Carrier Dome. And I just honestly don't want to learn the new name. I looked it up. I'm like, it's the Carrier Dome. It's always going to be the Carrier Dome. 
but I've never understood how a place called the Carrier Dome did not have air conditioning. Just seems like an oxymoron. Well, Tommy Reese of the Irish offense still in the bottom half of a lot of offensive categories going into this matchup against Syracuse. This is a big opportunity. This is a team in Syracuse that had to rally to beat Virginia, a mediocre football team at home. They had to rally late to beat an okay Purdue football team at home. But yet you look at last week, they had Clemson down 21-10 halfway through the third quarter in Death Valley. Let it slip away. Some officiating didn't help the cause, to be perfectly honest. There was a third down to like 25 play where the Clemson quarterback was tiptoeing the sideline, stepped out of the last second and got bumped. Penalty flag gave Clemson a first down, leading to a touchdown. Then later, Schrader of Syracuse kind of got thrown out of bounds. Nothing was called. And if you look at the play where the Syracuse player bumped the Clemson quarterback out, he actually got pushed from behind. So the officials from the ACC looked at those two quarterback sideline plays apparently differently because Clemson got the benefit of the call. Syracuse did not. They did not get their quarterback protected in the same way. The Irish and Syracuse early start noon kickoff here on WSBT Radio. Our pregame coverage starts at 6 a.m. game day. Presented by Legacy Heating and Air with Jim and Tim from 7 to 9. Tyler and I have game day sports speed powered by Michelob Ultra from 9 to 11. Kickoff is at noon. And then after the game, Jim and Reggie have the official Notre Dame football postgame show. A rare chance to broadcast in the sunlight in the postgame show here on WSBT Radio. We'll have a couple of noon starts before the end of the season, which... Kind of nice, actually. All right, 528 is our time. We'll come back with the Twitter question of the day. Still to come, Notre Dame bowl game possibilities and Dino Babers. A lot of interesting comments on this Notre Dame football team and Notre Dame program. We'll get to that in a little bit here on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, the fall edition of Radio Bingo is here. Michiana's virtual double bingo game has $5,000 worth of cash and prizes that you can get your hands on. Grab your bingo card and play for big cash jackpots at michianabingo.com. Don't forget to use the Camden Appliance free space in the center. The jackpot grows daily by 50 bucks. For rules and bingo cards, head to michianabingo.com. Michiana's virtual double bingo game is brought to you in part by Bill's Collision, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, Palmer Funeral Homes, and Blunt's Auto Spa. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 26 minutes in front of the top of the hour. Darren Pritchett with you on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat as we broadcast live on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. Our Twitter question of the day is posted each weekday on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Here was the question you were voting on yesterday. 
Notre Dame head coach Marcus Freeman on Monday. Actually, you know what? Scratch that. Let me start over. Looking ahead to 2023, who do you believe is going to be Notre Dame's number one wide receiver? So looking ahead to next year, who's going to be that number one guy? I gave you four choices. The guy we thought was going to be number one this year, Lorenzo Styles. We'll put him back on the list. Second choice, everyone's favorite Irish wide receiver, the freshman, Tobias Merriweather. Your third choice, a 2023 high school senior. Irish have a really good class coming in at the wide receiver spot, so maybe one of those three becomes the number one wide receiver. Your fourth choice, somebody not maybe in the team's plans right now, a transfer. Here's how the voting shook out. I think people that follow recruiting know that this is a really, really good group of wide receivers coming into this program. Great job by Chancey Stuckey and Marcus Freeman putting together this wide receiver group. But I think there is just a belief, and I read it, I see it, I hear it from Irish fans. They just don't believe a freshman can come in and dominate like that right off the bat compared to other schools. History shows that to be true. Irish are still struggling to get Tobias Merriweather to line up properly. So I don't think there's a lot of belief that a senior in high school can come in and be that guy. They got 7.5% of the vote. Lorenzo Styles, a guy that, again, I thought was going to be a star this year, number one wide receiver on the football team. For whatever reason, has not panned out. He's had some drops along the way that I think are confusing. Styles only got 3.8% of the vote. The guy that most people thought was going to be the guy this year Man, you talk about jumping off the wagon maybe a little early. Probably the case, but Styles did not get much action in our vote. 22.6% who voted believe that Notre Dame's number one wide receiver is not on campus right now, and he'll come to Notre Dame as a transfer. Now, the Irish argue it's tough to get players in that are undergraduates who knows what is possible maybe they can get a grad transfer number one in the vote wow 66 percent believe Notre Dame's number one wide receiver next year will be Tobias Merriweather Merriweather got 66 percent Styles got 3.8 percent someone's gonna have to explain that to me wow That's just almost unbelievable. Well, again, you watch Saturday. Merriweather did not line up in the right spot. We've seen that earlier this year. Got an earful on the sideline from his position coach. He's going to be the number one wide receiver. He's got a long way to go because if you don't get lined up right, it's kind of like a running back fumbling. You're not going to play. So, interesting vote. I'm glad I asked this. I thought it would be Styles, but I guess 
Many people are on to the next guy. We appreciate you voting. Here is today's poll question that went up earlier this afternoon. Which Notre Dame position group's play has been the most consistent this year? I gave you three choices. The running backs. Audric Estime, Logan Diggs, Chris Tyree. Or is it the Irish offensive line? After a slow start, they've been very consistent the last month. One of the nominees for the Joe Moore Award given to the nation's top offensive line. And your third choice is the Irish defensive line. In a lot of power rankings of Notre Dame position groups at the start of the year, offensive line, defensive line were 1-2 on a lot of people's lists as the strongest on the football team. So who do you believe has been the most consistent position group of these three so far this year? Running backs, offensive line, defensive line. The voting is split amongst the three right now. Really no true leader at this point. We'll find out tomorrow when we get the final results who you believe has been the most consistent of those position groups. Budweiser's Weekday Sports be brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. South Bend Orthopedics Team Physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Tim Ground State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. By Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, own shop where new beginnings have happy endings. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org and by Four Winds Casinos. Your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. 20 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. I'm Darren Pritchett. We'll take a look at the top games in college football this weekend. Coming up in a couple of moments as we continue to preview Notre Dame-Syracuse. It's a noon kickoff on Saturday right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Just doing a quick check because I have not looked today. The Notre Dame-Syracuse spread using DraftKings Sportsbook. The Irish opened as a two-point favorite. A lot of money came in on Syracuse. And all of a sudden, Notre Dame is getting two and a half points at minus 110. Also, the over-under for the game right now is sitting at 48. Now, you can tell this is kind of a coin flip game based on the money line. Notre Dame, you get them at plus 115, Syracuse at minus 135. So, early on, Vegas set this as Notre Dame being a two-point favorite. Peep the beat, and all of a sudden now, 
you can get the Fighting Irish plus two and a half on Saturday at Syracuse. If it gets to three, boy, I think that's the time to pounce. I'm not sure if it's going to drop back anymore. There is a public perception that Syracuse is going to win this football game. And normally when a majority of the public is on one team, a.k.a. the New England Patriots Monday night against the Chicago Bears, well, it normally leads to that majority shaking their head after the game. So sometimes Vegas can lead us down a path. Now, I honestly thought after seeing the Giants being a three-point underdog at Jacksonville, that was Vegas just telling people, take the Giants, and the Jaguars were going to win. Well, you know what? The Giants ended up winning that football game. The Giants are an underdog once again this week as they go to Seattle. All right, let's get to a little AP Top 10 action coming up this weekend. We've got some fun games. You know, the Irish play at noon, so a lot of these games you'll be able to check out later on in the day after, hopefully, the Irish pick up a victory over Syracuse. Let's take a look at what's coming up this weekend. There are two teams tied for the number 10 ranking in the AP poll from the ACC, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons with that great offense led by quarterback Sam Hartman. They are 6-1, and one, and they go down to Louisville to take on the Cardinals, who look like they may move on from their head coach, Scott Satterfield. And who knows, the Jeff Brom to Louisville. Rumors could start flying again. The Boilermaker head coach has always been linked to his alma mater, has stayed put in West Lafayette. Maybe this is the season he makes the jump. Wake Forest on the road, a four-point favorite over the Cardinals, 62, the over-under total points. The other number 10 team of the country, the Trojans of USC. A bye week after their loss in Salt Lake City to Utah. The Trojans are 6-1. and one. They're going to head to the desert to take on the Arizona Wildcats. It's a 7.30 kick Saturday night. And USC, a big favorite in this Pac-12 matchup. USC minus 15 and a half. And how about the over-under total points in this game? How about 76? That's just about as high as you're ever going to see. And the AP poll, the number nine team of the country, the Cowboys of Oklahoma State. They're a 6-1 and one football team after losing. A double-digit lead in the second half at TCU a couple of weeks ago. They bounced back last Saturday and rallied from seven down at the start of the fourth quarter and beat Texas in Stillwater, 41-34. to Now Oklahoma State has a major showdown with number 22, Kansas State, that game in Manhattan, a 3-30 kickoff, and Kansas State, is the home favorite by a point and a half. Total points, 56 for the matchup between the Cowboys and the Wildcats. The number eight team in the country, slowly sneaking back up the rankings after they got demolished in their season opening game in Atlanta to the Georgia Bulldogs. Bo Nix and the Ducks have reeled off six consecutive victories. Oregon hits the road. For Berkeley, 3.30 kickoff against the Cal Golden Bears, who still 
have a bad taste in their mouth and a wart on their resume as they lost to the worst Power 5 football team in the country a couple of weeks ago in overtime in Boulder to Colorado 20-13, to the same California team that had the Irish down in the fourth quarter at Notre Dame Stadium. Oregon favored by 17 over under total points, 58. Most of those points by Oregon as California has been struggling to score. Now we move along to the number seven team in the AP poll, the Horn Frogs of TCU. They are still undefeated. TCU is 7-0. They're at West Virginia in a tricky game Saturday at noon. Early start. For TCU, different time zone. Those type of games can be sneaky tough. TCU favored by seven and a half points over under total points has been set at 69. Number six in the AP poll, the Alabama Crimson Tide, a seven and one football team. Lost that wild game to Tennessee two weeks ago. Came back and handled Mississippi State in Tuscaloosa 30-6. So the Tides 7-1. They are idled this week before next week they go to Baton Rouge to take on Brian Kelly and the 18th-ranked LSU Tigers. An LSU team coming off. A double-digit easy win over number seven Old Miss at Tiger Stadium last week. And, in fact, LSU fans were so excited about Brian Kelly's team winning, many of the fans decided to rush the field after beating Old Miss. Brian, uh, what were your thoughts on the fans rushing the field Saturday? I, mean, I imagine that's not something you can... Yeah, I was really surprised. I mean, I, I didn't expect it. I was doing an interview, and... Um, the the state police, you know, grabbed me and said, we got to go. And I was like, I didn't think the interview was that bad, you know. Um, and, and, and no, they were coming over the wall, and I, I just was surprised, um, you know. It, it didn't appear to me that there was anything in my mind that, that you know, that this would be a game where we would storm the field. But, hey, uh, let's let's do more of it, I guess. I hope hey, I don't get in trouble for that. <laughs> Probably, yeah. That's going viral, is it? Damn. <laughs> All right, let's do more of it. <laughs> the commissioner is going to get me. I, I don't mean to do it. I mean, let's win more. <laughs> Um. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> I meant it in all seriousness that we want to win more. That's all I meant. Thank you. Um. It's, a, it's an off week. I can be off, too. I love how the reporter corrected him and Brian smiled, but I don't think he was overly thrilled about that. Yeah, everybody can have an off week. 554 WSBT. By the way, Alabama at LSU next week. The early line, Saban over Kelly by 14 points. The number five team of the AP poll, the Clemson Tigers. They are 8-0. and 
And they have to be thanking their lucky stars for picking up that win last week at home against Syracuse when it was not looking good in the third quarter. They rallied to win 27-21. And the Tigers are idle in front of coming to South Bend to take on Marcus Freeman's Fighting Irish. The early line for Clemson at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is an eight-and-a-half-point underdog to Dabo Sweeney's Tigers from the ACC. The number four team of the AP poll from the Big Ten Conference, the Michigan Wolverines. Jim Harbaugh has his team back in the playoff mix. After a week of being idle, Big Blue goes to Piscataway to take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Notre Dame and Rutgers have one thing in common. Their defenses have failed to allow an opposing offense not to score in the red zone so far this year. That's not the category you want to be number one in. Michigan favored by 22.5 against Rutgers over under total points at 54.5. A good top 20 matchup in the Southeastern Conference. Number three, Tennessee. Basically a bye week last week playing Tennessee Martin. After beating the Crimson Tide, the Volunteers are 7-0. They will take on number 19, Kentucky, Saturday night at 7 o'clock. The Volunteers taking on a really good Wildcat team. But the spread right now, maybe this spread is a little drunk from the Alabama win. Tennessee by 12.5 over under total points at 63.5. The number two team in the country, Notre Dame's first opponent of the year and the only team to slow down their offense, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Coach Day's squad is 7-0, and they hit the road for Happy Valley. Normally, Ohio State at Penn State is one of those night games where they white out the stadium. Not the case this time. The Buckeyes get the Lions a noon kickoff. Ohio State favored by 15 and a half. Over, under, total points, 61. And the number one team of the country, the defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs, who are 7-0, coming off a bye. And it's time for the old greatest outdoor cocktail party in Jacksonville, the Gators and the Bulldogs at 3.30 on Saturday. According to the odds makers, this is not going to be competitive. Georgia favored by 22.5 over under total points at 56.5. After Florida beat Utah to start the year, it's been a downward spiral for Billy Napier and the Florida Gators. That's a look at the top 10 this week. Who's on upset alert? Maybe number nine, Oklahoma State at number 22, Kansas State. Who's a lock to win? I think USC. Over Arizona is a lock. Who's a lock to cover? I really like Oregon laying the 17 at California. The Bears aren't going to score a whole lot. And who's a lock not to cover? 22 and a half for a rivalry game. Georgia-Florida, that seems like a good amount. Rivalry games sometimes are a little wacky. Four touchdown, or I should say three touchdown favorite, four score favorite. That's quite a bit in a rivalry game. Coming up in a couple of moments, the five things the Notre Dame defense needs to do to have success against Syracuse. 
And Dino Babers loves talking about Notre Dame. You'll hear from the head coach of Syracuse coming up in a couple of moments. Sports Center update also on the way as the Bears make a trade this afternoon. All coming up on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Herb Smith touchdown. Five by rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, 11 minutes after 6 o'clock on your home of the Irish Sports Radio 960. WSBT streaming live at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT radio app, and also live on the Twitch app. We're on the air until 7 o'clock tonight. Tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, it's the Marcus Freeman Show here on Sports Radio 960. WSBT. As you heard a moment ago in the Sports Center update, the Chicago Bears traded one of their veteran defensive players. Robert Quinn goes to the team with the best record in the National Football League currently. The Philadelphia Eagles, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, is reporting the Bears are going to take on a majority of the salary for Quinn for the rest of the year in order to get back a better draft pick. And Rappaport says that the Bears will get a fourth-round pick from Philadelphia. Now, it doesn't seem like much. That's pretty good value for a player. Again, the Bears eating cash has a lot to do with that. Quinn had 18 and a half sacks last year. This year, he has one sack, but I saw a stat a few moments ago. He has been double-teamed close to 50 times so far this year, so there is no question the opposition made sure that Robert Quinn was not going to disrupt their quarterback like he did 18 and a half times last year for the Bears. This is part of the process for GM Ryan Poles. It stinks now, but this is a football team looking a year or two down the road, trying to be a football team, as Poles put it, take control of the NFC North and not give it back. Let's face it, Quinn was not going to be a part of the plans when the Bears truly turned the corner as a football organization. And so they took a step forward today, even though it's weird to say that, trading a really good football player. But if you're not a part of the future, might as well get some value back, maybe a piece that will help you in the years to come when you get this thing where you truly want it. So Quinn Goes to the Eagles today. Boy, that enhances their defensive line. Uh, Roquan Smith, the Bears linebacker, was actually meeting the media when the news broke and someone asked him about it. He got very, very emotional. In fact, he had to end his presser early. He was distraught and losing a guy that he really respected in defensive end Robert Quinn. So 18 and a half sacks last year for Quinn in 16 games for the Bears this year. He has one sack 
in seven games, and the Bears get a fourth-round pick in return from the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Bears head down to Arlington to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Zeke Elliott, their running back, maybe a knee injury that could keep him off the field. Not sure that's bad news for the Bears because I think Tony Pollard's more dangerous as a running back right now compared to Zeke, who still does the job getting those touchdowns around the end zone. Had a couple against the Lions last week, but heck, Pollard scares the heck out of me more than Zeke Elliott does at this particular time. That's going to be a fun game. Can the Bears running game take over things down in Arlington like they did in Foxborough on Monday? Vikings are 5-1. and one. It's not like they are a dominant football team. Bears are 3-4. and four. They still have to play the Vikings at home later on this year. And let's also keep in mind, once the Bears play at Dallas on Sunday, do you realize they only have three more road games the rest of the year? Three games on the road, six home games at Soldier Field. And the Bears right now, if the season ended today, would only be a half a game out of the final wild card spot in the NFC. So even though the Bears are looking down the road, if they play like they did Monday and that carries over the next month and a half, who knows, they might sneak into the postseason a year or two early. And the running game can no doubt take them there. All right, 615 at WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Today, we uncover the five things that the Notre Dame defense needs to do to have success against the Syracuse Orange in Upper New York Saturday at noon. The game right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Let's begin with the Syracuse offensive line and their pass protection of quarterback Garrett Schrader. Right now, the Syracuse pass protection in the national rankings is tied for 96th. They are giving up 2.57 sacks per game. That's with a mobile quarterback. 18 sacks allowed by Syracuse in seven contests. Notre Dame, they've done a really good job of bringing down the opposing quarterback. They are tied for 23rd in the country in sacks at 2.86 per game. 20 sacks in seven games for the Irish. Staying in your rushing lanes, vitally important against Garrett Schrader. I'm not comparing Garrett Schrader to Justin Fields, but I think you can understand the Patriots at times did not follow their passing lanes. Fields escaped and ran for yardage. Schrader can do the same thing in his own way. He's not going to run over people or necessarily sprint away from guys like Fields can for the Bears. But Schrader is very effective running the football, so keeping him in the pocket is going to be very important. Or He can really hurt you with his legs, which we will get to in a couple of moments. Four. Well, if you're a football fan going back maybe 15, 20 years, you might remember the Miami Dolphins had a wide receiver by the name of Aronde Gadsden. Well, the Irish on Saturday is going to face Aronde Gadsden III. He is the son of the former wide receiver for the Dolphins. Gadsden is, without a doubt, 
their top target, like Michael Mayer is for the Notre Dame offense. Ganston has 37 catches for 593 yards and five touchdowns. He is a tough guy to defend. He's got that wide catching radius. He's a 6'5 wide receiver. The next two wide receivers for Syracuse, Devon Cooper has 18 catches for 234. Courtney Jackson, 12 for 168. So their catches combined, 30. Gadsden has 37. They don't use their tight end very much in the passing game. Now, Sean Tucker, the running back, is someone you got to watch coming out of the backfield, catching the football. But Syracuse is hoping and praying that a number two and number three wide receiver develop quickly because there's going to be a lot of attention on Aronde Gadsden on Saturday. Four. How about three? Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Number three, red zone defense for Notre Dame. It needs to be disruptive. They're just taking punches. It's time to punch back. Notre Dame opponents are 17 of 17 scoring in the red zone this year. The opposition in those 17 scores, 14 touchdowns, three field goals. The Irish will take on a Syracuse team that is one of the elite teams putting points on the board in the red zone. Seems like a mismatch. Syracuse is tied for 14th nationally. They score once they get into the red zone 93.3% of the time. 30 red zone trips for the Orange, 28 scores, including 19 touchdowns, 11 rushing, 8 passes. They've also kicked 9 field goals. That could be a deciding factor in the football game. If Syracuse offense does what it does in the red zone and Notre Dame's defense does what it does in the red zone, advantage Syracuse. Number two. The Notre Dame defense is going to have to be aware of the running talents of running back Sean Tucker. His own football team forgot about him in Clemson last week. He only had five carries, and they almost won. But he is a multi-dimensional running back. Tucker is the leading rusher for Syracuse, 129 touches for 698 yards. He has scored six rushing touchdowns this year. Tucker is also number two on the team in catches with 28. He is third on the squad in receiving yards with 216. There is no doubt after a miscue by the coaching staff last week, Tucker is going to be front and center in the game plan for Syracuse against Notre Dame on Saturday. Number one. And the number one thing the Irish defense needs to do to have success against Syracuse, control the running ability of quarterback Garrett Schrader. Now, I don't want to forget the fact he's completing 69% of his throws, a much improved thrower of the football compared to last year at Syracuse and his 2019 freshman season at Mississippi State. He's throwing the ball extremely well right now. But this is what concerns me, the running game. For Schrader. He has carried the ball 99 times this year for 371 yards and six rushing touchdowns. He had 14 rushing touchdowns last year for the Orange during their 5-7 campaign. 
Now Schrader running the football against the four best opponents on the Syracuse schedule. Louisville, even though they're not great, have to be on the list. Schrader went 16 carries for 94 yards and a touchdown against the Cardinals, against the Purdue Boilermakers. Schrader had 17 carries for 83 yards. He was extremely effective two weeks ago at home against North Carolina State. 16 rushes for Schrader for 81 yards. And then you have Clemson last week down in Death Valley where he became their main rushing target. In that ball game against Clemson, Schrader, 21 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown. Now, one of the games that Clemson truly struggled this year was against what we can now call a pretty mediocre Virginia football team. They're not average. They're a little below average. Maybe I'm being too hard on the Cavaliers. But Syracuse needed a late field goal to win that game 22-20. In that game, that's the only game Schrader did not throw a touchdown pass. He was 22 of 33 for 277 and threw one of his four interceptions on the year. All four of his interceptions have come in the last four games. But against Virginia, this is important. Virginia held Schrader to 14 carries for 11 yards. The only other team to slow him down was Connecticut, 13 carries for 24 yards in a game where he scored twice, but did not do a lot of damage in the running game. If this guy can be kept under control, this is a major component for Notre Dame walking out of Syracuse with a victory. To me, Notre Dame running the ball and controlling Schrader's running ability are near the top of my list. All right, those are five things that the Notre Dame defense needs to do to have success against the 6-1 and one Syracuse Orange. They started 6-0 and oh this year for the first time since 1987. It is 6-24. When we come back, we will talk about Notre Dame bowl possibilities. And then I hope you'll stick around to hear Dino Babers talk about Notre Dame football, the Syracuse head coach, very open in his appreciation for Notre Dame and got kind of emotional talking about this matchup. That's on the way on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame, Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. I can't remember the name of the guy who plays the trumpet on this song that became such a popular tune during the New York Mets season with their closer, Felix Diaz, coming from the bullpen to the mound, playing that song playing over the speakers at City Field. But is it Tommy Trumpet, I want to say? But they dressed him up in Ohio State marching band uniform, and he played at a recent Ohio State game, standing in the end zone, playing that 
Little Tomb. All right, 28 minutes in front of 7 o'clock. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sportsbeat continues on this Wednesday evening as we broadcast live on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. Let's talk about some Notre Dame bowl possibilities. we got to get to Dino Baber's audio here pretty quickly as well. But Notre Dame bowl possibilities are a 4-3 and three football team right now since they are out of the mix for a New Year's Six bowl game. They fall into the ACC bowl participation category. Now, if the Irish are, for example, 7-5 and five at the end of the year, they can replace an 8-4 and four ACC team in their bowl game. That is the right of the bowl game to make that particular choice. Now, here are some of the possibilities involving ACC teams. December 17th, the Wasabi Fenway Bowl at Fenway Park. December 23rd, the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. On December 27th, the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl. There are a couple of options on December 28th, the Military Bowl, and also the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. On December 29th, a pair of options, the Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium and the Cheez-It Bowl. December 30th, there are three ACC tie-in bowl games, the Duke Mayo Bowl in Charlotte, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl down in El Paso, and then in Jacksonville, you've got the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Now, that Gator Bowl would be against an SEC team. And there are a couple of options, actually one option on January 2nd, the ReliaQuest Bowl, and I honestly don't know where that game is played at. So according to the people who break all this down, let me find all of the possibilities and pass it along to you. I tried to find as many examples as possible. Here's what I came up with. ESPN's Mark Schlebaugh and also College Football News, along with USA Today, they all agree that Notre Dame could end up in the Holiday Bowl on December 28th out in San Diego. And all three have the Irish going up against the Utah Utes, who right now they're a 5-2 and two football team with a terrific victory at home over USC a couple of weeks ago, 43-42, going for two late in the fourth to take the lead and take the victory. Utah lost their opening game of the year to the Florida Gators. Utah was a top-10 team in the preseason. ESPN's Kyle Bonagura has the Irish going back to the Pinstripe Bowl, where they were a few years ago. They would take on the Maryland Terrapins, who are a 6-2 football team right now. The Pinstripe Bowl on December 29th. On December 30th, the Bleacher Report has Notre Dame going to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. That's the bowl game where the winning coach gets a bucket of mayo dumped on his head. According to Bleacher Report, the Irish would take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And yeah, row that darn boat. Minnesota just 4-3 and three right now. That game would be on December 30th. Also, the Sporting News has Notre Dame going to the Dukes Mayo Bowl, where they would take on, it's got to be the worst offense in the country, right? The Iowa Hawkeyes, who are still not bowl eligible. They're just a 3-4 and four football team right now after getting crushed 
by Ohio State in Columbus. Jerry Palm of CBS Sports has the Irish going to the Gator Bowl December 30th, where they would take on the 4-3 Arkansas Razorbacks, who went to BYU and crushed the Cougars after Notre Dame had beaten BYU by 8. And also, Athlon Magazine has the Irish going to the Gator Bowl against Arkansas on December 30th, and Action Network... And that's Brett McMurphy, the old ESPN college football analyst. He takes care of their projections. He has Notre Dame going to the ReliaQuest Bowl against the South Carolina Gamecocks on January the 2nd. Those are some of the bowl possibilities. With a long way to go, they change every week. And if Notre Dame beats Syracuse this week, then all of a sudden some of these bowl projections will be ripped up and the Irish will go up the ACC Bull tier. Well, Dino Babers is trying to stop that from happening. He's the Syracuse head coach. Two years ago, they were 1-10. He kept his job, got the Orange to 5-7 and seven last year, and right now, a 6-1 and one football team ranked number 16 in the country and a 2.5-point favorite against Notre Dame on Saturday. Very interesting press conference for Babers. He came out and he wanted to address a couple of things that occurred in the Clemson game. There were three major topics he wanted to talk about. One, I'm not going to play the audio back. It was in regard to the Clemson quarterback getting bumped out of bounds on third and about a million yards to go. They called it a personal foul hit out of bounds, which gave Clemson a first down, leading to a second-half touchdown. And the Syracuse quarterback was thrown out of bounds and – No roughing the passer or late. It was called on Clemson. And he questioned how one could be called and the other could not be called. And he explained how they have worked with their players, how to escort that quarterback out of bounds without allowing him to gain a lot of yardage. Because last year they did not try to hit Travis from Florida State, who looked like he was running out of bounds. And then he took off again back toward the middle of the field and picked up more yardage. So they've been working on escorting that quarterback out of bounds. So he was very frustrated with those particular decisions by the ACC officiating crew. But there are also a couple of other decisions that were more under his umbrella, like Sean Tucker, their top running back, only getting five carries. And with 2.03 to go, Clemson stopped Syracuse on third down and short. And Babers did not call timeout for 35 seconds. He finally called timeout with actually 25 seconds, excuse me. 25 seconds ran off the clock. And at 138, he called a timeout. Clemson would kick a field goal eventually, and Syracuse would get the ball back down six. But those 25 seconds could have come in very handy for Syracuse. So the Tucker conversation, not getting the football, and how. They should have called timeout quicker and not wasted 25 seconds. There was some accountability by this head coach. I'm going to start with uh, 25 seconds, okay? There was a mistake on our part. It's been handled internally. It was a 25-second mistake. And uh, based off of how we do things, I feel like it's corrected and that will not happen or should not happen again. But uh, no doubt there was a 25-second mistake on the clock, and uh, that was bad. When it comes to uh, Tucker having uh, five carries, that's something that 
should not happen. I agree with everyone else that he should have more carries than that in the football game. And uh, that has been addressed. There you go. Love the accountability of the head coach with the 25 seconds. It won't. He said it shouldn't happen again. According to a lot of Syracuse folks, game management has been an issue for Babers at Syracuse. Now Babers and Syracuse ready to take on this 4-3 and three Notre Dame football team. Uh, I've been around a while, and uh, I've played them a bunch of times when I was at head, I mean, when I was the assistant coach at Purdue, assistant coach at UCLA, assistant coach at uh, Texas A&M, offense coordinator at Texas A&M. I've played these guys a lot, along with all the games that we've had here at Syracuse. And we've all, I've only had the opportunity of, being the, of winning one time. It's very, very difficult to beat these guys. They're extremely well coached. They have ex- fantastic ta- talent. And you normally catch them in a venue. Beating them at their place is really, really hard. I take my hats off to the teams that have done it this year. But for us to have an opportunity here in Syracuse to have Notre Dame come to the JMA Dome, I expect it to be, and I hope it to be, a coming out party for our fans in front of the national media. I mean, this needs to be uh, an animal party, okay? There goes your movie reference, an animal party out there. And um, hopefully the fans will come out and show them exactly what our 12th man can do. The only opportunity I had of, of, of winning a game against these guys was at Texas A&M when they came to Texas A&M, and our 12th man down there showed off like they always do down there. And we need our 12th man up here to show off. Um, We're going to need them. There's no doubt that Clemson fans help them, and we need our fans to help us. Well, they will have a sellout for Saturday's game, so Coach Babers got his wish. A lot of Syracuse fans coming. Of course, there'll be that Notre Dame contingent of fans, but – That building, which can get kind of warm, there's not air conditioning apparently for a noon kickoff with a lot of bodies in there. It could get a little sticky for this Fighting Irish football team looking to win on the road like they did against Carolina a month ago. 643, Darren Pritchett with you on Sportsbeat, playing back some comments of Syracuse head coach Dino Babers, who discussed the talent that Syracuse will face, and I don't think he is totally sold. This is a four and three football team. I told, I, ooh, this is good. You did it. You know what? I played the wrong cut. That's on me. I apologize. Let me try it again. This is Babers on the Notre Dame talent. Notre Dame, fabulous team, outstanding offensive personnel. Their tight ends and NFL tight end. Their defense is just as good as Clemson's. Okay, and that's not to talk bad about <laughs> the offense. They have three tailbacks. They rotate three tailbacks. They've got a big bruiser. They got a shifty and they got a speed guy. And they are all good. And they are difficult to bring down behind that offensive line, which is always good. Notre Dame always has a big time offensive line. And when they get the tight ends next to them, they have a tendency to be able to run the ball on anybody they want to. Okay? They have this, their second quarterback is in. He's more shifty, he's more mobile. He's more like a, a shiftier guy than a guy that sits in the pocket, and they have receivers that are speedy and big. So this is a loaded five-star team, similar to the team that we just played, and it's going to be an exciting game. We're looking forward to it, and 
we're trying to get healthy enough for it to show our best, put our best foot forward. Couple of thoughts. Dino called the Irish defense as good as Clemson's. Advantage Clemson along the defensive line. Advantage Clemson at linebacker. I'll give the advantage to Notre Dame, though, in the secondary. Those corners for Clemson can be picked on, and we can talk about that next week. He called Drew Pine as the number two quarterback more shifty and more mobile. I just don't think he had seen enough of Tyler Buckner to come up with that analysis. And, hey, I can't disagree with this. He called Notre Dame a five-star team. There's a ton of talent on this Irish football team. He knows it, and that's the message to his football team. Don't get lost that Notre Dame is a 4-3 and three football team. This is a team capable of playing Great football, considering the talent they have on their team. Unfortunately, we have not seen that come about a majority of the season. Finally, the cut I started to play a moment ago incorrectly. Got to be accountable. Here is Dino Babers being asked what it means to him to face the Irish. This is the one where he got a little emotional talking about it. I told, I, ooh, this is good. We did it. Oh. Notre Dame has their own television station. And they get like the, the best people from Newhouse to be their announcers on it and stuff, you know? And we're all proud of that guy. And we're proud of our Newhouse graduates. Oh, you know. Okay, let me stop. He's thinking of Mike Tirico. I don't think he realizes Tirico's not doing the games anymore. Tirico graduated from the Syracuse Broadcasting School. So I don't think he realizes Tariko's not there anymore because Jack Collinsworth is from the Notre Dame broadcasting. So there's a little difference there, obviously. So we'll move on. They get all the good stuff, and we love them. I love Notre Dame. Um, their brand is unique. Their brand is their brand. They fly, they fly alone. You know, they have no wingman. It's just Notre Dame. And uh, anytime you get an opportunity to play a brand like that, it's, it's, you know, not only is it something that you, you aspire to do as an athlete, but you, you kind of take a lot of pride in it if you can find a way to come up with a win against any of their teams, whether they're, you know, against any of their teams. If you get a win over Notre Dame, it's a big thing. And they know that everybody gives them their best shot and they're always ready for everyone and they'll be ready for us as well. It's a fabulous team. Coach Freeman is a new coach. He's doing a, a fantastic job. I've watched some of his interviews. Wow. Okay, energetic new guy out there. Uh, first year out, they've had some, some bumps in the roads, but that's what happens with a first-year head coach. And I'm sure that there's not going to be anything but uh, bigger and brighter futures down the road. They've got a chance for a winning season and a bowl game this year, and I'm sure that they're looking at us uh, it's the same way we're looking at them. Dino Babers trying to get Syracuse to 7-1, and two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the 4-3 and three Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. 13 minutes in front of 7 o'clock sports wagering conversation next on WSBT. The fall edition of Radio Bingo is here. Michiana's virtual double bingo game has $5,000 worth of cash and prizes that you could get your hands on. Grab your bingo card and play for big cash jackpots at michianabingo.com. And don't forget to use the Camden Appliance free space in the center. The jackpot grows daily by $50. For rules and bingo cards, head to michianabingo.com. And Michiana's virtual 
Double Bingo Game is brought to you in part by Pet Refuge, Weaver Insurance, The Village at Arborwood, Kyle's Towing and Recovery, and ABC 57, 653, and WSBT. Show me the money. <laughs> we go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. Well, last night, just a two and two night, the wins. I had the Bruins on the money line over the Stars from the NHL. That hit. Bruins won three to one. I also hit the Wizards minus five and a half against the Pistons. Washington won by 21 points. The losses. Red Wings on the money line against the Devils. Well, Detroit was up 1-0. They lost 6-2. And I also missed Pistons guard Jaden Ivey going over 15.5 points against the Wizards. He had 19-17-17 in his first three NBA games, 11 last night. So, 2-2 last night, 3-5 for the week, and only 35-39 for October. Still trying to get back to 500 after a 7-20 start. My suggestions for tonight... I'm taking the Bucks minus three and a half against the Nets at minus 115. Giannis versus Durant. Giannis is five and one straight up, five and one against Durant against the spread in their last six meetings. Going back to Bulls guard, Io DeSumo over 10 and a half points at minus 120. They take on the Pacers tonight. He had 20 in his last game, at least 20. From the NHL, I've got the Blues on the money line over the Oilers at minus 105. It's the Oilers' first road game of the year and a tough place to play. And I'm going James Harden of the Sixers over 22.5 points at Toronto at minus 120. He's went over that number in three of four games this year. Sports be brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, for surprisingly great rates that fits anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Hunger is a Story Weekend End. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook Family Business, and Four Winds Casinos. Your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Have a great evening. It is 655 at WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 